Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we'll discuss sales messaging best practices with somebody who's crafted a sales message or two. Dan Bratlin is the president and chair of CoCard Marketing Group. CoCard has over 100 member resellers nationwide, generating more than a, a one, uh, generating more than 11 billion dollars in annual volume. Dan has over 20 years experience in the integrated payments and hospitality technology industry as well. And he's a frequent speaker at industry events, including RSPO Zone, Retail Now, and the Inspire Leadership Conference. Dan, welcome back to the Trusted Advisor. Glad to be here, Jim. Yeah, sorry I stumbled over the $11 billion. <laughs> My brain doesn't let me go to such high number, but uh, that's impressive for you guys to do that, especially uh, using resellers to get it done. Absolutely. We're very proud of that. Excellent. So what uh, to our audience, so Dan and I are going to segment our discussion today into three sections that really build upon one another. So first, how to create presentations that best capture your value proposition. Next, we're going to talk about how to tailor that narrative to specific audiences or to specific needs. And then third, how do you sync that message with all the marketing activities and service activities you have going on inside your organization? So Dan, let's start at the top. So why do you say VARs and ISVs need to follow like these three distinct steps when crafting their sales message? Why can't they just shoot from the hip or, or speak from the heart when they're presenting? Well, because of that doesn't work. You know, <laughs> success has proven that you could have a very average product or service and be excellent at building value and, and, and building rapport and having an excellent, what I call the power of the presentation and outstrip the competition. And, you know, in our business, I often look at um, our group of co-card resellers. Um, and what I call is, I can always separate a VAR, ISV, uh, a value-added reseller into two separate categories. You're either a hunter or you're a gatherer. And you know, Jim, you've listened mm -hmm. to my, my session on hunting and gathering. Mm -hmm. But it really comes down to in either of those cases, you have to build value. You know, hunters are those that go out and get prospects. They're the ones you know, on the phone, prospecting, cold calling. Uh, gatherers tend to spend more time on creating ways where customers contact them through through websites and that sort of thing. But when it comes to building a presentation and that value, it has to be consistent. You know, I was thinking of, of doing another seminar called In Search of the Silver Bullet. Mm -hmm. And if I, in CodeCard, we have members and resellers that are always looking for a product or service that is so good and so superior that people are going to beat a door, to, you know, just to get to them. In all reality, it's the when I look at our success in CoCard and around our industry, it's those offices that have developed a solid method whereby they can create value in any in a particular vertical, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So, you know, the bottom line is. A, a, a quality presentation, and if you look at the evolution, Jim, of the presentation, you know, when I got in the business back in the 1900s, as my kids would say, <laughs> yeah, it was more about persuasive skills. You know, I, I I attended seminars. My first mentor was a guy by the name of Tom Hopkins. He wrote the book How to Master the Art of Selling Anything, and it was great. I learned communication skills, how to answer a question with a question. I learned about closing skills. I knew 101 different closing techniques. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, later on in the late in the 1990s, that sort of shifted starting with Xerox to more of a consultative sale. You know, that back then, even before the Internet, um, you could sit down with the customer, you could build rapport, you could even talk about fishing and football games and stuff. It was all about building that rapport. And then you spend the next part of your presentation really asking questions and trying to figure out what their problems are. And then you can match your product to solving those problems. Jim, in today's market, everything's about speed. Speed is everything. The, the, the average customer and client today is more educated and they can find out about your product, your company. I know on the payment side of the business, Merchants now can just see what our cost is. They know what interchange is. They know what Visa MasterCard charges. They know what margins are. So the customer is more uh, educated and they, they don't want to waste time. So in today's environment, especially if you're doing virtual presentations that we're going to talk about a little bit later and how to build value and get keep their attention, uh, you have to get to the point and you have to deliver value. And that's that's the basis of how we develop our presentations here. Got it. No, thank you for that. And I can say my own experience, I've counseled a lot of ISVs, like new ISVs over the years. And your point of having a methodology, a lot of times they follow what I call the build of uh, the field of dreams philosophy, right? Build it and they will come. And all they talk about is we have this awesome product. And then it's like, were you set up to sell it? Are you set up with resellers? Do you have all those things in place? And they're like, it doesn't matter, right? The product is so darn good. It's just going to, like you said, that silver bullet, it's going to sell itself. And so you're, we're agreeing that that's not the case. So let's talk about creating presentations that capture your unique value proposition. So where does somebody start with that when they're right from the get-go talking about their value proposition? Well, pretty much every product or service, there's eight steps in every presentation. And you really have to dissect each one of those steps. And you have to practice, drill, and re rehearse in with those steps. The first step is still building trust. You know, when we tailor make our presentation, we just don't walk into a prospect or start a presentation asking a bunch of questions about uh, to our prospect or, or our prospective clients. We first have to build credibility. So every presentation has to start with building credibility, basic credibility. Who, who are you? How long have you been in the business? How many customers do you serve? Where are you located? Visuals are important. What your off pictures of your office or your staff, whatever, visuals are very good. And building that credibility is step number one. So we practice drill and rehearse all the way down to if we're if our sales reps are meeting in person. Uh, to practice how to give you how, how to start off by giving them the business card. How do you how do you start off the meeting? What do you say word for word? We videotape our presentation. So much is nonverbal. How are you talking and smiling at the same time and giving off this positive energy? You know, I learned from Zig Ziglar way back that all sales is is a transfer of enthusiasm. <laughs> um, so we really have to practice not just the words we say and what, what we say, but how we say them, the tonality, the pace, and you have to adjust your presentation and you can read prospects right out of the gate. They could be a driver personality where you're going to have to move fast. They could be very slow and you're going to have to slow your presentation down. But what you say stays the same, consistent each and every presentation. So step number one. Build that credibility. Tell them about your company. Step number two is 
basic. You got you have to ask questions so that you learn more about their business. The great thing about technology today is we can prepare ourselves before the presentation. You know, now you can go and you can look them up on, you can go through their websites, you can learn about their leadership, about the team, and you can really do some education before you go in. And they can do the same on you also. Um, but the key questions are, are questions that can help lead you to the ultimate sale, which is help helping that customer make the right decisions that are good for them and building that value. So for instance, if you're selling point of sale software, what are some of the basic questions? You know, how many tables do you serve? How many, what's your staff? Um, you know, what are you currently using today? Uh, what are some of the benefits? What do you like most about you using today? But also weave in some key questions such as, let me ask you this, Jim, uh, whenever you do make decisions on, 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 on a new uh, system, who besides yourself would make the final decision? Because oftentimes you might not be talking to the final decision maker and then you, you there's no reason to even ask for the order until you can get in front of the decision maker. So those questions are critical, but they also give you information about, about what value you bring to your presentation. You can key into what I call hot buttons. What are some of their weaknesses? What are some of their strengths? So that after step two of asking questions, I call step three teeing it up, basically the hot buttons. And in order to get the prospect excited about your, your demonstration of your prospect, you have to create emotion and that's value. True value is creating emotion. So typically we might say, now, Jim, before we get into their demo, I just wanna let you know there are three main reasons why other restaurants such as yourself have made a decision to go with our program. Number one is increased profits. Basically, they end up making more money. Number two is decrease expenses. And number three, improve the overall guest experience. So from what I'm about to show you, I'm gonna show you how we can deliver in those three benefits. So you start off by creating value in, in the big picture. Say, you know, every owner of a business wants to make more money, wants to save money, and wants to have happier employees and happier guests. Now, Got it. And, and, and then if you go on to the next phase of your demo, the most critical aspect of sales, and I'm surprised so many sales representatives don't do this, because I thought it was just sales 101. Whenever you present a feature, what do you follow it up with, Jim? You know, don't right, you? The benefits. A yep. benefit. Mm -hmm. And what is a benefit is a value. Mm -hmm. So what, what, whatever you're demonstrating your product or service, when you show them the actual what it is, you must not just follow up with what it does and what is the benefit of that feature. You have to tie it down and get a response from the prospect. You know, in today's world, when you're doing a virtual presentation, especially, you're doing more of the talking. It used to be when I got in sales, you would talk 25% and listen 75%. Well, nowadays, in today's sales environment, where you have to go boom, 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 it's really an educational presentation where you're building value, but you have to keep the customer involved. So how do you do that? Well, Jim, you do have to use their name early and often because people will perk up when they use their name. Isn't that right, Jim? <laughs> and you also have to use what I call tie downs to get the yes momentum going and if they agree. So if I show a feature and I say, now, Jim, can you see how you can turn tables a lot faster 
because of, of this aspect of, of the system. And you have to get a yes on that. So get, using that isn't it, doesn't it, wasn't it, couldn't it, there's still communication skills that I learned back in the 1900s that I use today to get that yes momentum and getting keeping the prospect listening and, and building that value through the benefits throughout your demo and your presentation. So that's critical. So as you custom make these presentations, we write all this stuff out word for word and we practice, drill and rehearse. Now, I wouldn't say they're scripted because you want to be natural, but you want to know the prospect. You know, right. Jim, when you go to a movie and you're all emotional and you're crying, because I can tell you're a sensitive guy. Three quarters of the movies, yeah, I'm bawling my eyes out, you're right. Little do you know that that actor got a script. Mm -hmm. And they they memorized that script, but they were just able to deliver it so it was so real that it caused that emotion. And that's the same thing in sales. Our sales reps here say the same thing, pretty much, ask the same questions, deliver the same demo in every presentation. Where it really gets critical is after the demo. Because once you've finished your demonstration of whatever your product or service is, what is the next step? And this is where most salespeople fail. Many salespeople are great at presenting. They love to present. You know, there's two weaknesses that most salespeople have. One is rejection. They don't like rejection. And number two, they're afraid to ask for the order when mm -hmm. it still comes to closing. So what we do is a simple clearing question at the end of your value-oriented presentation. And that is this. So, Jim, from what you've seen so far, can you see how having the system could help your business grow? And Typically, what they might say is, well, it depends, you know, how much is it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what you want. Rarely, yeah. will you get, if you do get a no after that question, why even present, why even go, and right. go into the total investment? You want to run out of that presentation as fast as you'd run out of a hot burning house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once you ask that clearing question and they show, they, they, they agree that this is something that could benefit them, well, then the next step which I think I'm on step five now, mm -hmm. is creating your value investment. I say investment, not cost. Everything's an investment. And what we do is we give a visual, and it's important to know what your competitors are too. So we always talk about uh, what our competitors offer. And, and during that demo, we also look at our competitive advantages. What are your competitive advantages and focus in on those? But when it comes to finally presenting your proposition for your product or service, we break everything down by the day. So if you're doing a SaaS model, let's say, or a pass point of sale as a service, which is really the trend everyone's doing, and now I guess it's going to free point of sale if you got them on some sort of dual pricing. But, you know, it, it, if they're going to use it pretty much every day, why not break it down? Even if you bill monthly, if you bill whatever, $199 a month for yeah. a terminal or two terminals, break that down to a daily investment. What is it? What is it every day you're using that? You know, if it's if it's $6 a day, the price of a cup of coffee at Starbucks, that's that's yeah. very, they I call it re, reduce it to the ridiculous yes. when it comes to your, so I always, if, if the prospect is using your prospect, position the, the the total investment as as what it is per day you might bill monthly 
but what is the total overhead per day? Yes. Number one. So once you deliver your 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 proposition when it comes to the total investment, I never say price, I never say cost. Always it's the total investment. You then the next step is seven is ROI. If your product or service cannot more than pay for itself through the value, the hard value that you presented in your presentation, you should not sell that prospect. Yeah. Um, you know, so a simple ROI would say, would say, Jim, now, if by going to this table side ordering or by going to this online ordering and you no longer have to pay the percentage to the third party, how much is that going to save you? If, that, if, if it just saves you the 20% or 18%, what is your total volume you do on takeout? That pays for the system. You know, we then integrate the payment side of the business where we come in, we, we talk about payments at the end, and, and, and they're much more apt to talk to you about payments if, if you could save them enough on their processing, let's say, to cover the total pass or SaaS fees. They become very interested. So the final step has, to, and that's value, you have to end your presentation with a return on investment, which really is the value that we're talking about in this presentation. And then, Jim, lastly, and Mo, the most important, uh, and I've seen salespeople present, go through this, they're great at presenting the prop proposal and the total investment and the ROI. However, they're still struggling on how to get this client to the next phase and helping them make decisions that are good for them, which I call it is the definition of closing. And that is this, you only need to know one close. And that's called the next step close. And I call it beating to the, them to the punch. Because Jim, you know, every uh, decision maker is somewhat of a control freak. And once they get all the information from you, they want to take control of the situation. They, now they saw your, pro, your proposal. And, and what, if you gave some sort of incentive, whatever that might be to create urgency, that's another important aspect of your presentation. They now want to say, okay, Jim, thanks. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to think about this and I'm going to talk to a couple people here. And if you could leave me your card and come back next week or give me a call, why don't you get back to me next week? And then yeah. uh, I'm really excited about this, Jim. And thank you, you know, that you did a really good job. You have to really beat them to the punch in a very soft, easy, friendly, non-threatening way. And the way you do that is simply walk them through the process on what it takes for them to own your product. And it's as simple as this. As soon as you finish with the ROI and how this pays for itself, you have to beat them to that punch and say, now, Jim, let me just tell you what the next step is if this is something you're at least considering, mm -hmm. which it looks like you are, right? Mm -hmm. No, if they've gone this far with you, they're at least considering. Yes. Well, the next step is we just simply fill out what I call this fast form. It's some basic information. It's an application. If you want to do the on the card side, too, there's no cost or obligation into doing that. And that takes me about five minutes. So we can roll through that. No problem. Once that's done, I, it takes me a couple of days to get approval. Then I'm going to call. I'm going to contact you in a couple of days, Jim. I'm going to say, great, we've got everything set up, ready to go. And then you, that gives you time to talk this over with whoever you need to talk it over with. 
And then if, if, if you give me the thumbs up, the next step is we're going to set up a time to build your menus. We're going to set up a time to uh, for installation and training and go live. The whole process might take about 30 days. Now, Jim, if any time during that 30 days you have a change of heart, that's fine. No, there's no hard feelings. However, since this is something you're at least considering, and since there's no cost and obligation to get the application process started, why don't we at least get started with that? Mm -hmm. Does that sound fair? Yeah. And that's really that closing sentence. Why don't we? Yeah. Why don't we at least get started with that? Does that sound fair? That is really the key to our success in, in why we're the largest co-card reseller out of 100 offices. I also am an office. Yeah. Because we practice the power of a value-oriented presentation and 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 that's the key to our success and it's consistent yes yes so thank for thanks for painting that clear picture from you know, again step one through eight two that i want to pull out specifically are like when you're building the you said you called it yes momentum some people might see that as like oh that's just a mind trick get them to say yes a whole bunch of times but even though it does help somebody move in that direction it seems like it's a discovery process because if they say no to something then you go okay then maybe you're, there isn't a fit here or maybe they don't understand the value proposition and then when you close on the roi if it seems like if you can't get a bunch of yeses and you can't get the roi then if you're going to try to still sell them, you're just shoving it down their throat. And that's not what they need. Like it's actually helpful for both parties in order to make sure there are yeses and there is an ROI or they should go do something else and you should go do something else. Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. You know, my favorite yes momentum and understanding is, does that make sense? Or yeah. are, you, are you with me on this? So yeah. whenever we present a feature benefit, we might say, does that make sense? And the prospect might say, well, you know, I'm really not sure. How does that work? So you want to make sure that they have a full understanding of what it is you're saying. So it's not there's we're not it's no trickery here. It's it's instead of moving on, you want to get a confirmation that they understand what it is you're selling. And if they say no to that, then you have to go back and really make sure they understand what it is. Yeah. So yeah. it is when you know I I say, does that make sense? Are you with me on this? Those are two of my favorites, and I use them early and often. Yeah, it'll warm your heart. We use those in the uh, sales process for the RSPA as well, because it makes sense to us, right? Because we're very familiar with our community and how it works. But if it doesn't make sense to them, I guess I see a lot of folks who just give a presentation, blah, 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 blah. And then they just say at the end, what do you think? Or yeah. you're good, right? And that doesn't really, like, where yeah. do you start from there? And it sounds like you're breaking it down into bite-sized chunks, so. Yes. There's right, definitely people, oh, communication oh, skills through um, through the art of, of of communication and asking questions in the proper manner um, because it gives you the information and it also helps the the other person to go along too. So it's it's definitely works. That's for sure. Yeah, asking genuine questions, not just questions. Yes. You know. You, you like you like oxygen, don't you? Yes. Well, there we go. There's another yes. So, all right. So, Dan, uh, we're going to pause uh, for a quick commercial, but I've modified it just for you on the fly here. So let's pause to let our listeners and viewers know about the Retail Solutions Providers Association. The RSP is North America's largest community of bars, software developers, vendors, and distributors in the retail, restaurant, grocery, and cannabis verticals. An RSP membership has never been more valuable 
or more affordable. Annual memberships start at just 68 cents a day for VARs and 82 cents a day for software startups. Accelerate your success in the retail IT channel by joining the RSPA community today. Did you like how I took it from a year or two to the yes, day? Yes, that so, was good. I like, I'm like. i in. Sign me up. <laughs> good, good. We'll, get, we'll find out when renewal is for you and uh, and see how <laughs> okay. many cents a day uh, it costs. So also, we want to say thank you to our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsor is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are Heartland, ScantSource, Star Micronics, and Coke card. Finally, uh, we want to make sure that you save the date for um, RSPA Inspire, uh, January 28th through 31st in Puerto Rico. Go to gorspa.org forward slash inspire to learn about the Retail IT Channel's number one leadership conference. So, and again, for anything related to RSPA, if you want to receive the benefits of a membership or sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. All right, so step two for tailoring the narrative, or sorry, step two is tailoring the narratives to specific audiences or specific needs. I think you've kind of referred to it earlier, right? You have your script that you know, but you don't just start at A and end up at Z. So can you talk about the tailoring process? Where does somebody start? Well, the other thing I've noticed with some of the more successful um value-added resellers and in, in, uh, in our business. And whether you come from the technology background, which I found when, you know, Jim, when these these two industries sort of combined the payments and, um, and the, let's say, call it the software side of, uh, of technology. And I know our, like our members of CoCard, we have both. We have people originally come from the payment side and we have people that were just, let's say, point-of-sale dealers. They didn't want to get involved in the payment side. Those dirty right. rotten scoundrels. Just give me my, you know, give me a rev share. And, uh, you know, now they've figured out on both sides, the payment side figured out that they better figure out how to how to how to sell point of sale software if they're going to survive. And the point of sale software people figured out how they better get into the payment side if they're going to survive. And so when I look at the most successful uh companies in 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 our space the one thing i see is that they focus on a vertical they don't try to be a masters of all all people Mm -hmm. so they're either let's say they specialize in enterprise that's what they do they understand how to sell a enterprise type customers multi-location they understand that their their approach has to be a lot different than a let's say an independent restaurant um it could take you're they're usually meeting with uh, people on the payroll that are paid in the technology team to, to look at your product you have to put together proposals it's a much longer selling cycle and their hot buttons are l- different and so first of all figure out what is your vertical our vertical i i tend to like more independent uh, businesses where we can get in front of the owner because I like to get the decision make. I, I like a shorter selling cycle. So that's what we focus in on um, because if because every owner then has some common grounds when it comes to what are some of their challenges in their business today. So you you want to choose a vertical versus several verticals. And as long as there's enough prospects in that vertical to become successful. Right. And then hone your presentation 
on, on, on some of the key elements that most of these types of businesses run into. Uh, like for an independent restaurants, obviously labor is always an issue. I guess that would be for enterprise too. Um, costs, a lot of them are just barely making it. Um, so they're very frugal. Um, uh, so know their pains. And then tailor your presentation. You know, our presentation is sort of tailored, Jim, so that we overcome any possible objection in the presentation. You know, you really didn't do a very good job presenting your product or service. If all of a sudden at the end, you have all this resistance or questions or objections. You know, it used to be, give me all these objections, but you want to cover those objections during the presentation. You don't want to wait till the end. So as right. you're as you're putting together this 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 plan, let's call it presentation, this system um, that's consistent, you want to make sure you you hit some of those what those common resistance are for that particular vertical. That's one way. Mm -hmm. Find out what all businesses in your vertical have in common, and then customize your presentation to hit those within the presentation. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of, I don't know if you've ever, uh, if Seth Godin wrote the book Purple Cow, and he talked about, you know, Purple Cow is so different. And if your organization itself, if the true value proposition is unique, it makes marketing it a lot easier because you're actually marketing something that is your marketing doesn't have to put some big spin on it but it, it talks about and that's what i think you're you're driving at if you become a specialist not just in general restaurants but in a specific type of restaurant or location or type that that's what it sounds like you're saying it makes your you're tailoring the message pretty straightforward hey we're specialists in this you happen to be that it starting from there seems like it makes it uh, easier to tailor if i'm understanding that correctly Yes, and if you look at the old model of selling, when I first started selling, we'd spend about 5% of our time asking questions, building rapport. We'd spend about 30% of our time in our presentation, and we'd spend uh, another 60% you know, overcoming objections and closing the sale. And then, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, then we went to the consultative approach where it was, you know, you spend 75% of your time asking questions, diagnosing their problems, and then 25%, you know, showing them how you can solve this problem. Well, today, with the attention span and delivery, to build, you have to deliver a value-oriented presentation where you still spend about 5% of your time up front that we talked about building credibility and asking those questions. And then you spend 80% of your time, I call it a diamond presentation, in a value-oriented presentation where you are getting them involved and in, in confirming on how this could help their business. It's more of an educational presentation. And if you do all that right, Jim, you only you only need to spend about 5% of your time on the, on the end. You don't have to overcome all these right. uh, objections. And that's the key. Right, if you're aligning value all the way through. Can you talk about how do you do that on the fly because my guess is you know if you're asking questions you're learning is it just that you have a whole bunch of you know arrows in your quiver and you just make sure you pull out the right ones for the person like is this something where you really have to be good at thinking on your feet and being doing a good job of diagnosing in the moment in order to make sure you're tailoring the narrative is is that how you would uh, explain it to somebody the opposite okay you know, i if i look at I, I've trained and worked with and have hired and maintained hundreds of salespeople over my career. I've had salespeople that had this gift. We call it like the gift of gab. 
they were able to zig and zag and you could walk in anywhere and put them anywhere and they just have the aptitude to to think on their feet and um i've had salespeople that are pretty much don't may not have that gift but they're consistent they learned a valuable presentation and when i talk about that value presentation jim you're hitting the same keys every time there's no shifting now the prospect may dif may differ. You may spend more time in this particular area, and 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 because they may be interested in learning more about how that split ticket really works and how the table mapping works. If you see that they're if they're following you, and that's where that's a key component they want. And so you're just moving along with the prospect. The prospect is doing the leading. You know you're presenting the same structure presentation. Okay. And what I found with the other side of the of the ones that that have this sort of gift they they tend to get off track and 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 they're they're going in and there's no consistency in the numbers they they don't have they might have one great month the next month they're they're crashed and versus the the the, the person who just follows a consistent system they might not be this person that walks in and is the life of the party and has that gift of gab, but yeah. they they do it consistently year in and year out. And those are the ones that are successful from what I found. Got it. And more consistent, more systematic uh, approach. Yes. Can you talk about adapting to personality styles? How do you change your presentation for somebody who I think about the disk profile system, somebody who's a high D, yeah. like, let's get yeah. to the facts. That's all I want. Or somebody who's a C who's like, I need all sorts of numbers to prove ROI. Or you have some folks who would fit into the IRS right. uh, category for disk who just want to shoot the breeze for a lot of it. How? What's the way that you would recommend somebody adapting their presentation? Really through education, you know, it's, I'm amazed at how many people in the profession of sales have never attended one seminar or read one book. I learned from Tony Robbins, for instance, mirroring and matching. It's simple. This is not rocket science. If I have a driver sitting there like this, you know, I might start off like this, you know, and we're both sitting there like this. And then eventually I do this and, and they do this. And if you mirror and match, if I have somebody who's happy and go lucky and thing, I'm I, I just sort of, you know, is we train our salespeople to match the the personality of the person you're 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 going to, and and if they're a driver personality, get to the point. Oh, then you need to pick it up and speed down. It's not that difficult to mirror and match. You know, I have something called the platinum rule. It used to be in sales like the golden rule: sell unto others the way you would want to be sold to. Mm -hmm. Well, why? Why would I want to, that person, I may be different. Everyone buys differently. The platinum rule, platinum rule is sell unto others the way they want to be sold unto. Yes. And, and not, it doesn't matter how I buy, what I think. And so many salespeople you know, think they need to sell the way they like to buy or they want to be sold. You have to mirror and match. And so by going to some of those courses, like you mentioned, you really get to understand these different personality styles. And you don't change your presentation. Yes. You just simply adapt. And, and, and so I would say education and keeping the same presentation and just mirroring and matching the person you're selling to. Got it. Thank you. So the final of the three steps that we outlined at the beginning is you need to sync your message with all your marketing and service activities. And I'm really curious, like why I understand the marketing connection, but why do you say service, right? How do you tie in, how does service tie into the sales messaging process? 
because it's a culture, Jim. You know, my I I, I include my service self support team in most of our personal development seminars, training. They understand the value of our product, what what our competitive advantages are. And I train them to to have similar messages when a customer calls and 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 and, and you know it's it's hard enough gaining a customer, um, but losing them is really bad. So we I want to make sure that our our service and support people have pride in our product. They understand that the value we are giving these customers it'll help them service those customers. However, what the bonus to that, Jim, is. A lot of our referrals and and add-on sales come from our service department. So you include them as part of the journey of the company and the growth, and you reward them for that. And now you can create a whole culture built around a value on what you bring to the customer. They should feel good about what they do, no different than a salesperson feels good about helping this person make a decision that's good for them. Got it. And uh, I, this is my own personal experience from an RSP standpoint, but I'm curious if you've seen this as well with your teams and your offices. Like people say, what's the number one source of leads and new members? And we're like, it's actually somebody who we treated well for years at one company. And then they went and left to go to another company. And they're like, oh man, I got to go work with you. And it's like, well, we might have sold them five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but it was that service all the way through that really yeah. helped them become a self-referral, if that makes sense. I'm not sure if you see the same thing. Uh, firsthand, you know, um, we deal with a lot of community banks. They give us referrals for on the payment side. I would say we sign up a new bank, maybe uh, two new banks a year. Almost 99% of the time, the, those new banks came from someone who worked at a previous bank that worked with us, and they because they just changed jobs and they came over and they said, "Oh, you got to work with CoCard." You know, and the other one, we're very similar uh, in, in our organization with CoCard as a group that most of our new members are come from mem know, knowing from internally from our membership base in CoCard. Yep. So that's absolutely dead on. Got it. Great. Any final words? We're right up against it from a time standpoint, but any final words on sales messaging best practices you want to share with the VARs and ISVs listening and watching? You know, only that, you know, Whatever you heard here today or whenever you go to one of these courses and you hear something good that you want to implement in your company, I call it the four questions um, and you have to ask yourself. And those four questions are, you know, why? Why? Why are we doing? You got to know the whys. Why are we doing this? Why are you putting the time into this? Why do you have this business? Why are you selling the product you're doing? Why are we? Why would we want to change? Why would we want to develop this? The second question is, why not? Mm -hmm. Why not do it? There are other people doing it. I mean, what's holding you back? I mean, why not implement some of the things you learned here today? And then the third question is, why not you? Why not you? There are certainly other people, given whatever circumstances you're in, that have done and put together some of the things we talked about here today. And lastly, why not now? You know, so often we hear good ideas and everything else. They used to say, you know, knowledge is power. Well, not really. Applied knowledge is power. So why not now? Do it now. That's all I have to say about that.
Thank you. Excellent. Tom. No, I'm glad you said it that way. And that's what uh, a lot of my presentations, I say, VARs are not looking for an academic exercise, right? They're looking for some real tangible uh, applicable advice. And you, you certainly provided that today. So, well, that does it for this episode of the Trusted Advisor. If you enjoyed our discussion, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSP blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Dan Bratlin from CoCard for sharing his wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA Marketing Director Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody. 